0: i don't know how to pronounce it i'm sorry
1: oh um, you're kidding i thought you were doing a great job yeah
2: you're such a natural that was almost perfect
0: Welcome back everyone to an almost perfect podcast we were that much closer last week to being perfect it was all Tom's fault so we're back here to try it again we are so glad that you are listening or watching Uh, we post a video on Monday nights now we're trying to find the right time to post the video I don't know if there is a right time we tried Tuesday morning we did Monday night Uh, so we'll we'll keep seeing so whether you're watching on video or you're listening online or whatever thanks for listening our good friend Tom is with us hey Tom
1: hey from Asbury
0: and there is Wade along with him.
2: Guten Morgen.
0: And, 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 and we have our esteemed guest returning. Uh, Tina Carter is with us. Good morning, Tina. How the hallelujah are you this morning?
3: <laughs> You're doing well here.
0: All right. go. Is it cold for you right now? Yes. I see Wade's wearing a jacket. Tom's wearing a hoodie. I'm wearing fake flannel. So, you know, it must be chilly in Corpus Christi. You and know, in okay, Austin. Okay, I'll take it. It's better than 112. Um, mm-hmm. I prefer this weather. Now, wait, I was when I was doing the video last week, I noticed something. Did your tree? You have a tree in the background. Did mm-hmm. it, does it flicker like on purpose? Should it flicker?
2: Not, not that I'm aware of. Cause I could have sworn I saw,
0: I saw lights like come on, like, and then go away, and I was like, oh, this is scary, cause that's not how usual Christmas lights flicker, man.
2: Well, it, it, it's on a timer, and I didn't turn it on before we got on today. It usually comes on in the late afternoon, uh, but I turned it on last time, so it may have it may have timed out.
0: Just watch that tree, man. That's kind of scary back there.
2: Um, That's the worst thing that happens in this house today. We'll be doing good. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: good. How was your weekend, everyone?
2: Good Mine weekend. Great. Good weekend. I went to Austin. Sorry, it's, Tina, I didn't tell you.
0: And
2: that's okay. I got to see my mom and my sister, and um, I kind of we kind of did Christmas a little bit, so right on, yeah, yeah.
0: Tom,
1: well, I, you said I, it was said, great
0: too. What made it so great, man?
1: Well, uh, uh, Saturday, I uh watched uh football with my dad, and you know, he's 92 years old, and so. There's two things I've learned about my dad. He loves uh, chocolate milkshake. So I showed oh, up no. with chocolate milkshake and uh, and he kind of uh, appreciates watching college football. So uh, we did that on Saturday. And then yesterday, uh, the church did, I forget what we call it, uh, a walkthrough celebration. Anyway, we had four uh, little uh, uh, shelters uh, and we, we ended a little early, but it was uh, two to five uh, that you could go from one to the next to the other, uh, next. And, and, of course, we ended it at the stable with Mary, at, Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus and, uh, and uh, Silent Night being sung by one of our, our members uh, recorded. Uh, and he did it in German. But anyway, it was a, it was a, a lot more festive. And it, enjoyable. Then, uh, you know, it's the first time we've ever done anything like this. Uh, you know, and as soon as something's over, what do you start doing? You start planning it for next year. And how could it be better? So, but so that's a, you know, it was a great experience.
0: So we all. And all I had to do is <laughs> say,
1: "Welcome, behave."
0: <laughs> to who? Your church members or everybody? Well, yeah, yeah.
1: It, it, definitely.
0: So we all want to know. You ended with Mary and Joseph, Tom settle this debate for us did mary know
2: <laughs> i do a whole sermon about that
0: yeah, yeah. and what's your conclusion
2: oh yeah <laughs> yeah that is a rhetorical question only
0: okay all right good makes for a great we had song.
2: we had heavy metal um we had heavy metal uh, candlelight and communion service for our heavy metal service last night it was their christmas service mm. uh, and that was that was fun it was really uh a juxtaposition because you know they're kind of screaming metal, but they sing they sing Christian songs, and most mm-hmm. of the songs they write. Um,
0: oh, that's awesome! I didn't know that.
2: And my favorite song that they sang they sang last night. It's called Merton Twenty Three. Uh, Merton Merton Twenty Three. It's kind of a reflection on Psalm Twenty Three through the eyes of Merton. So, okay. uh, it's pretty oh. good. But that, but at the end they sang acapella, straight up silent night with candlelight. It was really, it was really nice. Okay. Yeah. I was
0: going to ask if a heavy metal cover of silent night is ironic or not. They didn't do that.
2: That's
0: cool. I've been meaning to go to that service for the longest time. We wanted to take our youth uh, to go, but uh, uh, it didn't work out because of COVID and everything, but we'll get there one, one Sunday.
2: That'd be mm-hmm. good. You should. It's, it's, it's a really, it's a good feeling service. Those guys are really I mean, the music's loud, but um, but it's it, they really
0: have a great sort of vibe in there. Yeah. All right, cool. And I love it; they write their own music. I didn't know that. I, I love when <laughs> mostly. I, love, I
2: mean, they they sing some other stuff, but they sure. mostly write their own music.
0: Yeah. I, I love when churches do that. You know, a lot of time, you know, we let's sing whatever's on the radio, and you know that may or may not be the best thing. But yeah, there's a lot of churches that have gotten into that uh, uh, idea of of writing uh, their own their own. Uh, Church families worship music, and I think that's meaningful. Um, certainly, an art that seems to be lost. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe um, I don't know.
2: All There's right. not a ton of heavy metal worship tunes for them oh. to cover, so
0: oh, they haven't found all those yet. <laughs> uh, Tina, you're working on those, aren't you?
3: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> all right. So uh, when we could, hopefully sooner than later, uh, we have another church potluck. What is your go-to dish?
1: Hmm. Oh man! Ooh. You know, one of the things that uh, Ellen made uh, last time was uh, was some pretty rockin' jalapeno cornbread. So
0: okay, I can dig it.
2: I make a dill salad.
0: Uh huh, that's cute. That's you see? cute.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: because how's that cute? Rotel tomatoes.
0: I'm sorry, say it again, Tina.
3: Corn, bean, Rotel, tomatoes.
0: That'll work for me too. That'll nice. like work for me too. The reason why that's cute is because you're probably you're part of the reason. Wade, like my wife, when we would do that, we disagree. Like to bring pizza or chicken nuggets, because everybody forgets about the kids.
2: Yeah,
3: these
0: kids oh, ain't trying yeah. to eat no dill salad. They don't want that.
2: <laughs> oh man, they would love it if I made it for them.
0: Okay, all right. Well, we'll take that as
1: a that's true. My
2: son, right my son hates it. <laughs>
1: testimony (laughs) testimony from home
0: so anyway that was my question when i read this headline grow your own human steaks meal kit is not technically cannibalism makers say
2: what
1: (laughs) john you you uh, you amaze us every week no, um, this see. is
2: this is next level though. Oh, so, yeah. This is
1: the
0: saying you are what you eat may soon become <laughs> become a lot more literal. <laughs> it is a DIY meal kit for growing steaks made from human cells that was recently nominated for Design of the Year. So don't worry, I don't know that we're making this yet. It's still in design phase, y'all. So <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Name the Ouroboros steak after the circular symbol of the snake eating itself tail first. The hypothetical kit would come with everything one needs to use their own cells to grow miniature human meat steaks. So, I just, uh-huh. why? Why? <laughs> why not, man? <laughs> because there's people who bring dill salad to church potluck. That's why, man. It's all natural ingredients, by golly. Well, so is this.
1: <laughs> so is this yeah. I made it myself. I mean <laughs> from a scratch.
0: <laughs> I made it myself. Very good.
2: Where does uh, the human where where on the human body does the steak come from? I just am curious.
0: Well, I don't know. Uh, well this says the human cells. I don't know. Just Find a cell somewhere you got laying around. Growing yourself sure <laughs> growing yourself <laughs> ensures that you and your loved ones always know the origin of your food, how it has been raised, and that its cells were acquired ethically and consensually. Ethically, I see. Ethically,
2: okay.
0: this is an That's ethical a- food source.
2: <laughs> okay, well,
0: if you say so. So it's not like I'm going like to go around and you know get. Wade steaks and bring it and say it's my own. That would be unethical.
2: Well, I guess.
0: <laughs> and believe it or not, lab-grown meat has not yet been approved for human consumption. So um, you're going to have to wait. That next potluck, you're just going to have to bring that dill salad, I guess.
2: Um,
0: probably. <laughs> you're okay with
2: that? Yeah.
1: That's one of those. It is never going to happen.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll see. You hear that question a lot. You hear like these, you know, universities or whatever do these crazy studies, and you know, people ask, well, you know, why in the world did they study that? You just never know, right? You never know what idea is going to spark the next idea, or what it's going to teach you. So, who knows what making stakes out of ourselves might teach us? Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's see. We got two more here for you. Uh, We know it's been a contentious election season uh, and things have been said. Uh, There's been accusations all over the place. It was confirmed that uh, voter fraud was real, guys. Um, Voter fraud ruffles New Zealand bird of the year competition. Did you know (laughs) that? Did you know that?
1: Did not.
0: You see, I want you to notice what happened. There was an accusation and then here's the proof. Suspicion began when organizers received more than 1,500 votes sent from the same email address. That is what the FBI calls a clue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Down here in
2: South Texas, we call that a barbecue.
0: A barbecue. <laughs> or a barbecue.
2: Cr- a barbecue. Barbecue.
0: A barbecue. Um, let's see. <laughs> Uh, each vote was in favor of the little spotted Kiwi. A kiwi... That's
2: what I would have voted with.
0: Puku-puku-puku. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, um, you're kidding. I thought you were doing a
2: great job. <laughs> yeah. You're such a natural. <laughs> that was almost perfect.
0: <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, let see. So anyway, this is the story is about uh, almost a month old, I think. And so the the little spotted kiwi let's go with that version he did not end up winning winning it was the uh who won i forget
2: the spotted kiwi
0: no he's the one people cheated for somebody said i can only assume that people get really excited about new zealand's native birds why else would someone want to cheat (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i wanted to find it for you i forgot um Oh well, I'm sorry. Just you know what? If you're gonna cheat, just know you're gonna you're gonna get caught. Um, if you send 1,500 votes from the same email address, oh, yeah, that'll add the work.
2: winner. Add the winner in post production because I'm not gonna sleep tonight if I don't know.
0: You won't know. You won't be able to sleep. Uh, mm-hmm. I still think it's that tree behind you, man. Um, oh, here it is. The KK Poe, KK Poe, actually won. So, not the the other one.
1: Spotted Kiwi.
0: Yes. Uh, the other one. So, there you go, Wade. Now you can rest easy. All right. And if that wasn't enough.
2: That's, think, uh, that, uh, that's more upsetting than human meat.
1: <laughs> uh-uh. Hey. I'm just, I, I am just waiting. I mean, it's so exciting what John is. What could he be bringing up now?
0: I am bringing you the latest and greatest news in avian democracy. So, you know, <laughs> hey Brad just got here. Should we let him in oh, mid show? I don't know. Oh man! Hopefully
1: he can keep up with the with the whatever the topic is.
0: Oh, he's gonna love this next one. Let me just tell you. You know, what? we're gonna wait for Brad. Uh, anybody? Know okay, a joke? there he is. We can wait for Brad. Brad, hurry up, man. We we got to get
1: you. Hey, on uh, this one. well, I, I'll I'll tell you. Uh, you know my wife loves to look for, uh, snotty t-shirts, uh, uh meaning uh, snarky t-shirts. Let's change Change that. because wow. Yeah. Kids
0: in the house or what?
1: Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, as she yeah, and, and she gives them during it, it's like sayings on coffee cups and sayings on T-shirts. Uh, she loves to send those to friends and family and, and all. anyway. Uh, so she discovered uh, this one and it's a it's a T-shirt that top is 2020 big, you know, big numbers under it is five stars. Four of them are empty. One is, is uh, a gold star. So it's a one-star review on the year 2020. And then underneath is, very bad, would not visit again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right.
4: Uh, welcome, Bradley DeHaven. Hey, guys. Sorry I'm late. I've been trying to get online forever.
0: <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, we're glad you're here. Uh, maybe yeah. your inter- Maybe your internet thinks it's Monday or something. I don't know. I, I, hey, Brad. I don't know. Hey, Brad? So, Brad. Yes, sir. Brad,
2: you... You literally didn't miss anything. <laughs> 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 truly. Excuse truly. you. We really?
0: introduced Tina. Excuse me. Hi, you. Oh, Tina.
2: That's, yeah, that's the high point. That that's, that's probably the that's, highlight
0: of yeah. our time together. So, it is
1: and it's been downhill ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really. And uh, we're what,
2: halfway into the we're halfway into the podcast, so that'll give you an idea. You can only make it better.
0: All right. So last story before we get into our larger conversation. You ready for the you, <laughs> I'm just going to read it, and we'll we'll talk about whatever happens, right? So Chinese iron crotch kung fu masters fight to preserve a painful-looking tradition. Are you guys familiar what? with the iron crotch?
1: I can imagine it, but no. Really?
0: <laughs> yes, really. This is actually important, man. So...
2: This is the best topic so far, I have to say. Yeah, I
1: figured you would It's not a good
2: topic, but it's the best. That's not necessarily a compliment, but uh, go ahead. Go ahead. So
0: uh, Wang Lai Tao is no ordinary Kung Fu master. The 65-year-old from a village in central China practices a unique and excruciating-looking strand of martial arts coined... Iron crotch kung fu. This is a real thing, guys, and it's actually important. I'm going to tell you why. Let's see. It's most famous, and this isn't why it's important, but it's most famous (sighs) technique involves a steel plate capped log six and a half feet long and weighing 88 pounds that swings through the air and smashes into a man's crotch. Okay. Okay. (laughs)
2: Unless,
1: (laughs) <laughs> <Why>?
2: Unless, <laughs> unless,
1: let's get to the nothing. important, the important part. Or we're still waiting for the important unless, part.
2: Unless, the swinging is moving at eighty-eight miles an hour, then you just rock it into nineteen eighty-five. Hmm.
4: Okay.
0: <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless. Okay. Uh, when you practice iron crutch kung fu, Wang said, "As long as you push yourself, you will feel great." Guys, you will feel great. <laughs> so, and this is kind of the funny part of the story. Wang, who has been practicing the technique for around half a century and has two children, they wanted to let you know, insists that with the correct methods and sufficient practice, it does not hurt and has no effect on fertility.
1: Yeah, I'm not to going to buy that. Yeah. Are you getting to the important part <laughs> I am yet? getting
0: to the important part. I just want your, your, your imagination oh, yeah, to start we're, brewing we're- and... The iron crotch is a mastery of which is gained by taking hits to the body's weakest points while using breathing techniques to inure oneself. It's an element of the branch of this Kung Fu that was practiced in his village for the past 300 years. All right, so here's where it actually is is kind of important, right? It's a, it's a Kung Fu practice and it's about you know uh, accepting pain and all this kind of stuff, right? And it's not just the uh, the the kung fu. What I call it? Crotch.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm just imagining the breathing part. <laughs> 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 you <know> what did guy's <laughs> name was? Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, John.
0: Oh no! Why'd you do that, Wade? Why'd uh, you,
2: what? What was the guy's name?
0: Wang Liutu. Twai, I guess. I'm not sure how to pronounce Uh, that. I thought I heard that. (laughs) Tom, you cannot cry during the story, please. Um. (laughs) But here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's not just the iron crotch. There's the iron throat, the iron head, the iron chest, and the iron back as well. You see, so it's all about these points of your body that are the weakest that if you can learn to, you know, absorb the pain, then you can sort of overcome that. Here is where the part comes in that I think might be good for us to kind of talk about a little bit, right? Uh, There were once around 200 people regularly practicing in the village uh, this art, but now there are just over 20. That number. That the number that can practice the iron crotch technique now has dropped from around 80 to just five. So this is actually uh, a part of the culture and the teaching of this form of Kung Fu, right? That's been around for 300 years that has now dwindled to a mere five people who <laughs> are willing to do this. And I don't know if their unwillingness is, you know, I don't want to, I don't want I, I to assume why they have an unwillingness. But as I read that, I thought, you know, that's kind of like in, in a way, um, um, and what's happening to the church right now,
1: right? Boy, I, you could have selected a better story no, for that no, no, question. No, 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 no. Stay just,
0: with me, stay with okay, me. Okay, I'm, I'm things, sorry. Things in church are changing, are they not?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely.
0: Uh, uh, The church is not what it used to be, is it not?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, don't people not say- e-
1: Not even last year's church. Is-
0: exactly, exactly. And so as the church continues to go through this kind of- Uh, transformation, whether it's good, bad, hard, long, difficult, whatever. I mean, we're going to have to decide like, what is important to hold on to in the culture of church? Are we not?
2: Mm -hmm. Now you've got me racking my brain. Yeah. Well,
0: Well, I'd rather you do that than the iron. The
1: iron head.
0: (laughs) Well, yes. But so again, you know the church is changing and and things you know w- praise god you know there are videos that have come out in the last couple of weeks down in i think new zealand or australia maybe australia i think where they are post-covid right they're having mm-hmm. post-covid new parties new mm-hmm. zealand mm-hmm. they're having parties already because they're over this yeah. right and they've done everything they've needed to do and so there's gonna be a time when we're gonna get to that hopefully <laughs> right yeah yeah and so then we get to the conversations of, you know, what is church ministry going to look like after that, after a pandemic, right? And so we're going to have to make some decisions about what we, you know, start doing again, what we bring back, what we avoid, you know. And so this is kind of a helpful uh, starting point to consider, you know, if, if we have to, if we have to decide, make those kind of decisions, how do we determine what are the practices and, and what are the, the priorities that we will hold on to, right? Because the story is that there's a small group of people, you know, this was one of those things that you didn't put on the internet, you didn't tell the world, but because so many people have lost this art of theirs, they want more people to know it because they don't want to lose it. So what is it as the church that we don't want to lose as we go through our transformation, as we go through sort of our, you know, Things are being taken away and people aren't coming as much and all that kind of stuff. What are some of the things that we want to hold on to um, preachers uh, as, as the church goes through its transformation?
3: One of the interesting things for me has been that the church that I am uh, attending now, Berkeley UMC, chose to put their live stream services on Twitch, which is Predominantly a gamers platform. Uh Uh, We are the only church on Twitch. Um, And and then post live, they put it up on other sites, but live they they're on Twitch. And the interesting thing to me is that we have um, often gamers who wander into our service electronically. Like this week, the comment from the gamer was, Uh, I totally don't believe in God, but I I don't hold any animosity toward people who do. During the worship service, that's what came up in the chat. And so people from the church said, you know, thanks for joining us. Um, Thanks for sharing. Uh, And so his experience of church was not negative. Um, Nobody said, you know, get out of here or what's wrong with you or. So the church has been intentionally putting itself in places where it's likely to get um, criticized. Um, It's invading a a space that is not normal for it. And it's hanging around with people who wouldn't normally come to church. And, And I love that. I think that's one of the things that I hope that church holds on to in the future.
0: That's great. Going, going to these places where we're not usually at, right. Isn't that what we're supposed to do anyway? Right. I Uh, hope so. And what do you, how did you say it, Tina, that you're going to places where you're liable to get um, criticized? Is that how you said it? Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah.
0: So I I wonder if there's a, a group that, that Wang hangs out with that, that, uh, figured, you know what, there are going to be some people in Corpus Christi who hear about our iron crotch and laugh at us, mm-hmm. but they, they're they still going to tell everybody about the iron crotch, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah you're yeah. not you're not, you're just not gonna let that go are you John? no i'm not i think it's you're, awesome you, man. you're gonna so make tell, it more let me
0: tell you this tom if i could do the iron crotch you would know about it man i'd be telling everybody
1: that <laughs> do this, that's, that's true that's true
0: <laughs> so, look at brad down there i'm sorry brad you walked into all this so
4: what else though oh, so what- i still am wondering why (laughs) why there's so many other things you could do True, but i kind
3: of get it um one of the things that uh i've been working on with folks who have stage four colon cancer is Mm -hmm. figuring out how to endure pain constantly without giving in or giving up and that's basically what that kung fu practice is about exposing yourself to pain on a consistent basis and developing techniques that allow you to not give in or give up, but somehow get through. It sounds ridiculous. And some places where I visit, it's helpful.
4: I I, I, I hear what you're saying and I agree with you to a certain extent, but uh, voluntarily choosing pain is, is not, I don't think it's quite the same thing. And that's, I, I mean, I understand the practice of it and I understand the, the mental um, and emotional and spiritual and Zen-like thing that, that they're going through to do this. Uh, but I, you know, I, I to me, it just is, a, uh, there are so many other things that one could do um, Deal with pain that this is to, to voluntarily inflict pain so one can overcome the pain is kind of a different thing to me. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not there yet. I understand what you're saying though, but yeah. Um, well,
0: and see, and that's what that's intrigued me, exactly what you just said, Brad. You know, there are so many other things we could be doing as a church, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and right? in fact, I think we've all said it in conversation at different times, mm-hmm. there were so many other things that we were doing as a church that now that we're not doing those things, we've kind of looked back and said, well, maybe it wasn't the best use of our time or the best way to express our worship or the best way to reach out. And so, you know, the practice, what they're doing, that is what it is. For me, as a springboard to think more about how do we decide what our priorities are as the body of Christ as we go through this time? This is a time of pain for all of us, right? So if we're going to relate that, how do we make that decision of what our priorities are moving forward—that's yeah. that's what the article really is helping me think about more.
1: And kind of uh, co- coming ahead. well, coming back to that is because because you know, Brad, you were talking about voluntarily uh, embracing pain, and I'm going. It isn't that the, the, the call of Jesus on our lives is take up your cross daily and, and, and it, it seems counterintuitive because we move toward what is comfortable. In fact, you know, what's one of the, the end of life uh, conversations that say children have with the doctor of their parent is how can you make her comfortable? you know and right. uh and yet jesus is it,
2: through that yeah
1: yeah well, right uh, and it's, it's not that you know we're uh, but on the other hand you know the the church is called to intentionally embrace pain uh in order because but there's a purpose behind it and that's that's because uh there is a gamer who does not believe yeah. in God. And, 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 and we, uh, you know, we honestly believe that uh, life without God is, is uh, is uh, you know, is a hellish life, with, you know, uh, on some yeah. level. See, I mean, uh, I, and I've heard this so many times, uh, mm-hmm. people say, who've gone through difficulties, who've said, I don't know how I could have done this without God, and yet there are people who are going through difficult moments alone. And right. uh, and our call is to bring them into a place of community where they are no longer lo- alone. And that process may be very painful. So, John, I- as crazy as it is, you have led us into a deeper, you know, the deeper end of yeah. the pool.
4: I, I think you. you're right. I think, you. I think you're absolutely right. Um, my mind wasn't going to that that venue originally, my mind was, right. was thinking back of, of, of self-adulation and, and, uh, oh, yeah. of pain to, uh, try to rid one's soul of, of the guilt that one feels from sin and so on and so forth. and, and so this is a part of me that's saying I don't think these are quite. You know, we're not even talking apples and oranges here. We're talking apples and 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 bowling balls. You know, and so, uh, but I see what you're saying, and I agree. I think there is something to that that the church is called to reach out and to uh, to to uh, how is it um, used to say a boldly go where no one has gone before, and to be the church in places where the church has never, you know, really been invited. Um, per se, in, in in the fact that what we bring is light into darkness and light into suffering and and uh, hope into places where it's desolate, um, and I think that's uh, I think that's a very noble cause, and I, I get what you're coming at. So yeah, I think I think you're right. There there are a lot of barnacles on our ship that we uh, have managed to scrape off in the last ten months, uh, nine or ten months here uh, with COVID that has. Uh, given the church a little bit more leeway to see new potential for ministry uh, arenas.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the article, the article is provocative because of the title, but martial 90. arts, uh, the iron crotch. Um, and But the, uh, you know, martial arts um, of all different types have always been about um, focusing your mind to overcome uh, weakness and pain, so and 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 that's you know, and that's been scientifically um studied quite quite a lot. So, they're I mean, the metaphor works, so yeah. it's just a little provocative,
0: yeah. Why, why do you maybe think that's
2: it, maybe that's the point?
0: Why didn't they lead with the iron throat or the iron back? Right?
2: <laughs> well, it, it doesn't sell papers, man,
0: because John probably wouldn't <laughs> have clicked on it if he saw that, right? right. So, yeah. There you go so and then you know you read um, several studies I've seen you know, that ask the question of Christians you know you know why are we hesitant to share faith why are we hesitant to you know what you're talking about go into all these places and by and large it seems like the the number one answer is usually something around you know fear of rejection right or mm-hmm. fear of uh, humiliation mm-hmm. right and so going back to what you said Tina you know going, uh, mm-hmm. You'd like to see the church continue going to go into those places where that's probably gonna happen. right. Mm-hmm. And that that means something to our mission, which is a great springboard for you know what we had talked about or decided to talk about today about this idea of who is my neighbor?
2: Mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, who you know, that's and obviously that's uh, a Jesus thing, right? um we we know what jesus said about or, you know what let me not assume that can you all tell me what jesus said about our neighbor and what we're supposed to do with her or him them
1: Well, and it's interesting because it really isn't just Jesus. Jesus isn't the only one who says that. In fact, you you know, as we read, as we read the scriptures, sometimes he's the one answering the question. Sometimes he's the one who is asking the question. And and in both cases, it's love your neighbor as yourself, which Mm -hmm. is not new with Jesus. It's actually they're uh, uh, quoting. the hebrew scriptures and um i i can't recall if exodus is it exodus leviticus
3: leviticus and deuteronomy
1: deuteronomy leviticus and deuteronomy okay so
0: you're saying jesus wasn't all that original tom is that what you said
1: he isn't original but Ah, that 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 wasn't at least he wasn't (laughs) he wasn't the first uh human voice to uh voice that okay and
4: the actual story in scripture is not Jesus asking, who is your neighbor? Uh, Jesus asks a wholly different question. What does it mean to be neighborly? And and that takes for granted that everyone is your neighbor.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Everyone that we meet is our neighbor. And so there's a whole different genre. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd turn the question on here and say, who's not your neighbor? You know, um, who could not be your neighbor? And And from a Christian perspective, the answer to that is very clear. No one. Everyone is our neighbor. And so what then does it mean for me to be neighborly, to be uh, a neighbor to someone else? What the, what does neighborliness look like if there is such a word neighborliness? I guess that's the word. I don't know.
0: If not, you write the book, Brad. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'll add it to my dictionary of of, of isms There you go.
0: Yeah. So, all right. So, <clears throat> okay. We've identified our neighbor. like, okay. Everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. So why is that an important, um, uh, thing to recognize for Jesus, even though he didn't make it up, obviously, why is that important to him for us to recognize who our neighbors are?
2: I think sometimes it's a little bit, um, I don't know if dangerous is the right word, but, um, to say that everybody is your neighbor. is almost to say, well, then nobody is because I can't pay attention to everybody. And so um, from 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 Jesus's standpoint and the way that I sort of the first thing I had to ask my question myself, the question about is why is it that um, that certain people I need to be more intentional about certain people being my neighbor um, and and then and who are those certain people. And, and to me, uh, it's probably people that don't, that don't run in the same circles that I run in just because, um, uh, just because of who I am culturally or, uh, economically or, um, religiously. Um, I, I you know, it, I think it's hard for me to learn much about my neighbors who are, who are my, also my church members say, um, because I know about them and I know, you know, I, I know that stuff and, and, uh, and hopefully that we've all been sort of properly indoctrinated to, to have this outlook of, um, it's not about us, it's about something else. And to me, what my neighbor looks like is the person I don't understand. Uh, that seems to be the, the place where I need to start. And that, and that can look a lot of different ways, um, And, uh, and usually that's uncomfortable And the way that I, and, and that, and for a lot of people, I think, uh, saying, Hey, you really got to get outside your circle a little bit. Um, if you really want to learn it's not about, to me, it's not about converting people to something. Um, it's about, um, understanding that there's, there's something else besides my, what I know, uh, and what I understand. And so, um, and, and so for me um, it, I, I've got I've got to go look at different people and meet different people and what and the only thing that makes that more comfortable because I think in some sense it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people for obvious reasons because you know those people are different in some way whatever whatever that might be if we have a real clear understanding of why it is that we do that um, I think it makes it more uncomfortable right? it's, it's kind of the old thing you know people will people will give to a a really good why. And and that's, you know, that's about everything. Whereas if, if it's just because somebody said I'm supposed to, that's not a really, a really good why. And so uh, for me, I got to identify why is it that I need to go meet these people and, you know, and maybe it's for them and maybe it's for me and maybe it's for something else. And uh, just sort sort of being open to that. Um, um, And I find it easier to, Um, make those encounters happen Um, when I'm when it's not I'm not so self-conscious it's not about me it's not about it's not about changing then Um, it's about having a relationship in some way even if it's a 30 second relationship Mm -hmm. did you add
0: anything to that or take anything away
3: (laughs) one of the things that I find the most interesting is that as I'm in different settings, it feels like I'm called to different neighborly um, attentions. So when I moved to Parker Lane, I immediately became involved in the juvenile justice system. I had touched that system before um, in my other appointments, but it felt like getting to know my neighbor in that setting was going to require more intimacy than it had before before i had had some knowledge i had been in betcher i had um worked with kids that had touched the system but when it became something that seemed to be systemic in my community it felt like my obligation was to understand it in a way that was deeper than I had touched it before. And I think part of the understanding our neighbor or which neighbor class we're called to dive in deep with is about what God is nudging us toward in terms of what our next job is, what the next right thing to do is. Mm
0: I appreciate that. I don't think I've ever uh, that made me think about my experience. You know, I'm here at Kelsey and our church is, you know, just outside of the downtown area. And uh, you've, most of you know, you know about what that area looks like and what's happening in our city's um, homeless population and, and how the city is is handling that or is not handling that. And I've had people from the church, you know, in our little yearly um evaluations uh make the comment several times Well, he you know advocates for the homeless and you know you can something like to the effect that it's you can tell it's important to him and i had never like thought of that like when i was in shiner and nobody ever said he's advocating for the homeless right or you know or even when i was in irving or bandera because that wasn't the issue and so you saying that kind of i think speaks to yeah like where you are um, where God wants you to be. If you're aware of that, then, you know, God will connect you to who and to what cause, I guess, even, and to, to understand who your neighbors are that you you need to connect with. All right. Tom or Brad, you got anything to add to that?
1: Well, you know, you know, we're talking about causes and and things like that. And, and, and I think uh, about some, you know, kind of the practical shift for me, uh, is when I walk out my door, the direction I turn, let's say I'm going to, I'm going to take a walk and the direction I turn depends on if I'm going to give time to my neighbor or not. You know, my neighbor's out front and, oh, he's out front. I don't have time to talk with him. So I turn, you know, this direction instead of this direction. And, and I'm learning, you know, right now to, to turn toward my neighbor rather than away from my neighbor and, and allow, uh, you know, time margins for whether, you know, in this particular case, allowing my neighbor to set the time agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and instead of saying right from the beginning, Hey, it's great to see you, but I've got to go mm-hmm. uh, it's just, you just pausing long enough to to actually hear what's going on with my neighbor, and 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 typically those aren't long conversations because when we're out, you know, we're out bringing our garbage, or our uh, he's on his way to his car, or uh, uh, something like that. But but it's also in those moments when it's more than a thirty second uh, hi how are you uh, moment is to is to be op- more open more often to those those moments
0: brad a while ago i think you alluded to uh, uh you know jesus talking about being neighborly and I, I i assume you meant that um sorry let me turn that off assumed uh, that talked about um good samaritan the parable of the good samaritan where I don't yeah. know if it was a teacher. I forget who it was. Comes to Jesus. You know, what must I do? And and he's the one that asked the question, right? Who is my neighbor? Is do, my neighbor? You, my neighbor. do you think he was being uh, sort of obnoxious with that question? Was he being, uh, no. did he really want to know? Did he want to justify himself? What's your impression of that question for him?
4: Well, I mean, scripture even says he wanting to justify himself. He asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. So, uh, in, in, in essence, the, the writer of the gospel story is telling us what this guy's motive is. Um, I, I think, and I think if we're totally honest and where Jesus meets us, um, we're all kind of sort of that same place. We want to justify ourselves. I have, I have an appointment I have to get to. If you notice the three people that did not stop to the Samaritan to to aid the Samaritan, all had some other agenda going on. So, so what Jesus I think is is referring to in telling the story and asking his questions, who was most neighborly to this man? And of course the the questioner who brought up the subject to begin with answers correctly. Um, I, I think Jesus focus on us. Is really to get to our own heart motives. You know, one of the things I like what you said, Tom, just a minute ago, is about, you know, who sets the agenda on how much time you're going to spend in conversation. I think Jesus would go even a step further to that to say, can you, will you be fully present for the other that you encounter today? Whoever that is, you know, will you devote yourself, put everything on your agenda aside? and be fully present with this person who's right in front of you. And I think that's the first part about being neighborly. And, and you know, just setting it up, wanting to justify himself, that that wonderful little quote, um, it it defines for us our real hidden agendas, which are, um, I, I wanna know what the boundaries are that I have to respond to, and what I don't have to respond to. And Jesus gets beyond that and says, there are no boundaries. You need to be fully present for everyone you meet because that's, that's just who we are as followers of Christ. That's, that's who Christ is. And so to be follower of Christ means to risk putting our agenda on hold, putting our own stuff on hold, putting our own boundary wishes and desires of, of determining who is and who is not really my neighbor um, on hold so that we can be Christ-like for that person.
3: And
4: turning um, yeah. ourselves from task-oriented humans to relationship-oriented exactly. humans. Yeah, right. relationships. Exactly.
2: To relationship. That's
4: exactly right. Absolutely. Which yeah. Is- so I, I way, right. Stuff, to do the task stuff is is literally to put our agendas above and beyond the relationship, which means that we are not treating our neighbor uh, the way that we would we would be called to do so and, and I think Jesus even would go so far as to say that in and itself is sin and mm-hmm. that's what we want to avoid
0: And that's when people I, become I, projects I, right? Yeah yeah I remember, yeah they remember
4: become we objects instead of
0: Yeah, Go ahead Wade.
2: I remember uh, right before I went to seminary I sat down and had coffee with Tina. Hmm. You remember that? and uh, and my um agenda was to ask you know what do i need to know about all of this and i remember there's two things and i won't go into both of them that i specifically remember that she told me but one of them was we were talking about um the, the vows to join the church mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. we got to talking about presence and yeah. and i remember that you i think it was uh, tell me if i'm wrong about this this, this is my memory you said, I used to think presence was about attendance. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not. Yeah. And no. as I have gone through ministry, and I'd love for you to talk about that, because as I've gone through ministry, when I explain the vows, I always say a friend of mine once said, and so, uh, and because I think what we're talking about is presence. And, and I think <laughs> that this is part of our vow. I would love to hear you talk about that, Tina.
3: One of the things that I, I, I was in consulting for a while before I went to seminary, uh, and I was an expert witness and um, very focused on tasks because I was paid a lot of money to focus on tasks. And at some point, my company put me in charge of also managing humans. And I was mm. like, what is that? because, uh, you know, I was paid to be an expert in science and all of a sudden I was having to manage humans. Um, and so one of the things that I did to trick myself was to put on my to-do list, wander around and talk to people so I could check it off. Mm-hmm. And I felt better mm-hmm. about having accomplished that task. Um, and at yeah. some point I understood, um, and I think it was when my, uh, administrative assistant who trained me in many, many things um, interrupted my process at one point and said, okay, I know that you're doing something that you need to do to manage, but I need you to look at me and listen because Mm -hmm. I need you to hear what I'm saying. And in that Mm -hmm. moment, I understood that there's a difference between accomplishing a task or uh, attendance and, and engaging in a relationship or presence. And that if you can be present, you, you actually are much, much, much more effective, which is what my administrative assistant was trying to teach me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was a definite, shift in how i approached management after that point and it made a huge difference mm-hmm. it allowed me to start uh, understanding the importance of being able to align yourself with somebody's interests in a way that could actually put your interests in jeopardy but was still the right thing to do
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I've always joked to my ushers um, at church, because um, you know, ushers a lot of time in church think their job is to hand out a bulletin, and I tell them, "Well, we already have something that does that just fine. It's called a table, right? Like yeah. we, we don't need ushers <laughs> more than a piece of furniture. Make, yeah, we don't need ushers <laughs> to be a table. We need ushers to make connections, right? If you know, right. there's somebody right. there, whether it's their first time or not, that uh that there's there's this already this connection that's being made right the task is here's your bulletin go sit down and be quiet tell your kids where the nursery is but the true uh, family that happens is when we make connections with one another so i think that's what you all are talking about so uh thank you all for that I, i i think if we reflect on that not just as pastors and church leaders but you know as the the person who sits in the the pews and and goes to sunday school and wants to do uh uh, wants to do god's will right not just for their life but for the life of the church and and wants to reach out i think the person that wants to do that um I, i think if they appreciate what you all are saying and talking about it goes a long way into helping shape the kind of personal ministry we have, but also the shared ministry we have in in the body of Christ as well. So thank you for all that. That was good. You see, you see, when you talk, you see what happens when you talk about the iron crotch.
1: You, You had, you had to do that one more time, didn't you?
0: Tom, um, I think you've known me long enough to know the answer yeah, to that question. Yeah. So
1: and I'm hoping people will uh stay long enough to hear that last <laughs> comment. Yeah. Ma-
0: yeah. Maybe we'll maybe yeah. we'll play this in reverse yeah. and we'll start with the iron crotch. So anyway. All right. So thank you all for listening. Uh for those of you who've held on for this long, while wow, you are some troopers, you know how to go through pain. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. So you have thank- been bearing your cross. <laughs> Yeah,
0: so That's thank right. you all for listening. If there's ever any question or topic you think could be helpful to figure out a Christ like response to, let us know. We'd love to talk about that. Tina, thanks for joining us today. You've made everything yeah. better. Um, without you, who knows where we would have gone with all of this? <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate you joining yeah. us. You know, you always have an open invitation. Uh, so Tina, Wade, Tom, Brad, thank you so much for your time. Brad, thank you for your half time. We appreciate it, man.
4: Hey, I'll be I'll be better next time I try all to get right. online
0: everybody else have a great rest of the week hey guys it was almost perfect you almost had it so
1: good job uh, thanks John all right gotta be with there you, you guys